This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. Once again to Bethesda Church, uh, we kicked off a brand new series last week entitled Shipwrecked. The title of the series comes off the word relationship. We could almost call the series Relationship Wrecked. Anybody ha- ever had a relationship get wrecked? Three of you are honest. Gotcha. I see how y'all going to play today. We got our church face, our uh, Sunday best face on, Right? How many know that relationships are one of the best blessings that we ever get to experience, but they also produce the greatest levels of pain? Um, any of us that, that have ever walked through a season where we felt hurt, damaged, scarred, it wasn't a thing that happened to us, it was a person that happened to us. You may get in a car wreck and get banged up, but that's one level of pain. And I'm not saying that's, you know, not substantial. It is. But how many know the pain you may feel from a relationship that has been wrecked may far uh, exceed any kind of accident you have? And and so we got to understand that uh, relationships are important. We, We learned last week that there are some relationships that we need to initiate. In other words, there's some people you need in your life that they are not there yet, but unless you initiate that, it's not going to happen. There are some relationships that we need to cultivate, which means the relationship uh, started well, but it's in a bad place, and in order to get it back to a good place, I'm going to have to sow into that and cultivate it so that it'll become what God wants. Uh, But there are also relationships, which we don't want to talk about in church, that you need to eliminate. You got to get rid of some people, uh, and that's not popular because we, uh, in the church, at some level, we we believe that we have to love everyone, which we do. Scripture commands us love everyone. That's a command, right? How many know we're we're commanded to love everyone? And so I can love you um, by the command of God, but I can also love you from a distance. Oh, this is good. Um, I, I can love you by the command of God, but that, that does not mean I have to trust you. Love and trust are not the same thing. Um, I love everybody, but I trust very few. Okay? So it's important that we understand in, in, in the kingdom, honor is given. In other words, I'm going to honor everyone, but trust has to be earned. So, so I'm going to give you honor, but if I'm going to bring you into my inner circle, then there's got to be a level of trust, which you've got to earn that. I've got to earn that in your life. And, and so uh, we're commanded to love God and love others, and it's in that order. I don't love God and love you simultaneously. I have to learn how to love God first, or I'll never love you right. I, I, I got I to fix this relationship before, some of you are like, when's he going to start preaching? And I'm preaching. Like, this is preaching. Um, I, I got to love God and, and get this thing squared away because if I don't get this right, I'm going to fail at this. Uh, uh, and so Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. That's why the cross points in two directions. The cross points vertically. That's a symbol of, of Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. That's, that's number one. But, but the writer of Ephesians said that Jesus came to also remove the wall that separated us so that we could have peace in our relationships. So it's God's will for me to, to be connected to him, but to also live peacefully with you. And if I don't get this right, I'll never get this right. If, I, if, if you're struggling with people and holding on to offenses and grudges and dishonor and that kind of thing, it's because you are not right with God. 
That's, that's the answer to it. It means that this is off. And so I want to preach to you today about being caught dead in the water. Dead in the water. Dead in the water is also a boating term. It's actually uh, nautical slang, if you will, to describe when a ship is stationary. And I think a lot of people have become stationary um, because they're shipwrecked. And not just because they're shipwrecked, but because of how they have responded to certain relationships. And there's a lot of reasons as to why we get hurt and why we're disappointed. But sometimes, guys, it's as simple as we had this expectation for a relationship, and it did not deliver on that level. It delivered on this level. And because it did not meet our expectation, the result is hurt. But, but we got, as the people of God, we, we have to understand we have the ability to minimize or maximize any event in our life. And, and so my mind has the ability to make something smaller or to make something bigger. Now, what we do in the church is, is when we get hurt or we're frustrated with people or we're offended, instead of minimizing it so that we don't end up caught dead in the water, we want to maximize it. We want to, what we do is we actually magnify it. We make it bigger than it really, it's not even what you went through, it's how you responded to what you went through. You say, well, they did me wrong. Okay, get over it. Or stay dead in the water. You got to make a decision on what you're going to do with what you have been through. Again, called to love everyone, but trust is earned. And, and so we are built by God, designed by God, to talk to one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. If, if you're down, I'm supposed to help you up. If I'm down, you're supposed to help me up. And, and so it all works together, but a lot of people are caught dead in the water because of a relationship that went south. And so I want you to go with me to John 1 and Matthew 11. John 1 and Matthew 11. Hit somebody and tell them, dead in the water. Come on, that's the wrong person. Tell somebody else, dead in the water. All right, John chapter number 1. Man, this is going to be so interesting. I love this. It says, the next day, John, this is talking about John the Baptist. He saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now, at this time, Jesus is um, 30 years old, and his public ministry has not begun up until this point. He's working as a carpenter for his father, Joseph. And we've not heard a lot about Jesus up until this point, but now is the time when Jesus is about to be pointed out, but he's going to be pointed out by John the Baptist. And so when John sees Jesus, who hasn't begun his ministry, he points and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And and so what, what John is doing as the forerunner of Christ is John is opening up the door for Jesus to now take the stage. I want to say that again. John is opening up the door for Jesus to take the stage. Jesus, the Son of God, who is anointed to reconcile man back to God, is going to take the sins of the world away He's called by God. He's the Son of God, the miracle worker, the Messiah, whatever name you want to give him. He's he's God in the flesh, and yet he comes, and John has to point him out. 
Now, I want you to get this. He's called, but he's, he hasn't been endorsed. He's called by God, but had to wait for John's endorsement. And I said that to say, no more self-appointed prophets, self-appointed preachers, self-appointed ministries. You, you may be called, but until man opens the door, until it's one thing to know God has called you, but until you can not only submit to God, but to submit to a man, you're not ready to walk in the calling that God has. If Jesus had to wait, then, sir, you need to wait. If you're really called, guess what? Man will point to it. If you're really called, man will point to it. Jesus waited for that door to open, and he's endorsed by John. And, and, and I love this because John opens up the door for him, but in Matthew chapter number 11, i got to tie this together. It says in verse 1, we'll read the first three verses uh, first, and then we'll hit the last three. It says, now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, watch this, it's the same John, same John the Baptist. He sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another one? Do we look for another? I want you guys to see the contradiction. In John 1, John the Baptist is saying, behold, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. But in Matthew, we can see a difference. Now he's saying, are you really the one or are you a sham? Are you a fake? Are you really the one that I opened the door for? And, and, and so there's a contradiction taking place in John's life. He's asking, are you really him or should we expect someone else? You have to understand that when John opened the door for Jesus, up until that point, John had the crowds. He had the people. He was baptizing them in water. Jesus' ministry had not begun. But after he opened the door for Jesus, guess what happened? the crowds started following the Son of God. And now the crowds are with Jesus and John is in prison. How many know the seasons have changed? They have completely changed. Hit somebody and tell them the season has changed. The season has changed. He, he, he goes from having the crowds and he's the endorsement for Jesus to now he's in prison and he's asking, is Jesus really the one? And, and, and this is so important to grasp because John is so offended right now, and, and nobody's done anything to him, but he's so offended right now that he doesn't even believe his own prophecy. How I many of you are in a bad place when you're so offended you don't even believe your own prophecy? He's the one that opened up the door and prophesied, this is the Son of God, and now he's asking, should we look for another one? John is offended, and his offense has left him dead in the water. Somebody needs to know today that anytime you take the bait of offense, regardless of what happened, every single time you take it, listen, you will be caught dead in the water. It doesn't matter who was right. It doesn't matter who was wrong. When you take the bait of offense, you will be caught dead in the water every single time. And so we, Jesus, we look at this, Jesus, we know John is offended at Jesus. I mean, that's really what's happening. And that's how he felt. Are you really the one? Should we look for someone else? I'm in prison. You're, you were with me when I was up, but you're not with me, Jesus, now that I'm down. You were with me. When things were good, but you're not with me when things are bad. That's how John feels. Let's look at how Jesus feels about John. Verses four through six. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, when I grew up in church, this is when everybody started shouting right here. You couldn't even get to verse 6. 
Because once you started, you know, you know, the blind see. And the deaf hear. I can't even do that. I wish I could, man. If I could, I would let it rip. But I can't do it. You know, the preacher can't even get that out of his mouth, and we done tore holes in the, in the drywall. Dead or being Ray. I mean, we, we get it. Yes, we get it. But we leave out verse 6, which is so important to what Jesus is trying to communicate to John, who is offended at Jesus. And he says in verse 6, he said, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus is touching the sore spot. Yes, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised. But John, blessed is he that is not offended because of me. See, what Jesus is telling the people to go back and tell John, tell him I am who he prophesied me to be. I am the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. But don't tell John not to allow his offense to derail his relationship. Don't You tell John not to get so offended because John thinks this was a long-term relationship while I was on the earth, but it's really a short term. I only needed John to open up the door for me. He accomplished his assignment. He opened up the door. I'm sorry I'm not there to hold your hand while you're in prison, but you did what God told you to do. And, and I, what I need you to know, John, don't get offended because if you do, you're going to miss out on your relationship with me. I'm preaching good right here. I know this is good stuff. We don't like this because we love taking the bait. We love vilifying everyone. We love holding on to our garbage and being, being so messed up with our garbage that not only does it destroy, we want others to come down with us. How messed up you got to be, not only to be in bad shape yourself, but so messed up you want others to feel like you. How bad does it got to be for you to get at that kind of level? See, some of you have people that have been with you for a long time, and that's good. We all have relationships that have been with us for a long time. But we all also have relationships that we only had for a brief time. Every person has brief relationships. All right? Every person has long-term relationships. We all have those. Some of you, you have people that you thought would be a lifer. They'll be there till the end, but something happened and they're not, that relationship isn't there. And so we got all these different types of relationships. You may have someone that you consider a friend, but the truth is life has taken you both in different directions, and though you would say, that's my friend, you haven't connected in a long time. And the truth is some of the relationships that are no longer there, they ended badly, left you scarred, left people hurt, and it has left you offended. It has left you dead in the water. See, a ship becomes dead in the water when it doesn't have wind in its sails. The quickest way to lose the Holy Spirit, the wind, is to get offended because what happens is you become shipwrecked, dead in the water, no Holy Spirit in your sails, and your life remains stuck until you let it go. It, it will be stuck. You'll never move forward until you let it go. And so let's get an understanding today. God manages our life through seasons. Life unfolds in seasons. We did six weeks of a series last year called Rooted, all about seasons. God manages our life through the different seasons. Why is this important to understand? It's important because not every person in your life was built for every season of your life. Sometimes when your season changes, your relationships change. And, and we struggle in the church because we think 
that every relationship is anointed and ordained for every season. And because we put people in the wrong category, what happens is, is we end up frustrated. We had them, we, we thought they would bring this to our life, but they didn't bring that. They brought something totally different. And so just as God will ordain people to come into your life to help you through a season, God will also ordain people to exit your life when he's getting ready to take you into a new season. I'm telling you, when God starts taking you into new seasons, listen, that means new relationships are coming, but it also means that the ones that are not built to go to where God is taking you have to fall off in order for you to walk in that season with the peace of God. Now, 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 this is a struggle for us in the church because we haven't learned that not all relationships are created equal. Not every relationship is the same. We, they should not be viewed as the same. There are categories to our relationships, which means I, I need wisdom and discernment to navigate my relationships. Now, everybody say wisdom. Wisdom is something we talk about when, when, we, when we talk about education, Bible study, finances, but where we don't usually apply wisdom is in relationships. Some, some of the smartest people I've ever met, I mean like brilliant, completely the opposite in their relationships. Like they got all this wisdom in the work uh, environment. They got all this wisdom and creativity and influence at the workplace because they're, they're wired for it. They've asked for wisdom and God has granted it. But they got tons of dysfunctional relationships all around them. All because they got wisdom in one area. I've taught you guys, you can be succeeding in one area and be failing in another at the same time. And so wisdom needs to be applied. Now, what is wisdom? A lot of definitions, but basically wisdom is the ability to recognize difference. It's the ability to recognize difference. That's what wisdom is. Not only the difference in financial terms or the difference in educational terms or, or politics, but wisdom is the ability to recognize, recognize a difference in people. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Jesus was crucified between two criminals, all right? And wisdom is the ability to recognize difference. One of the criminals looked at Jesus and said, he's a criminal. He's no different than I am, no different than us. He deserves to die just like we deserve to die. But the other criminal looked at Jesus and said, he's not like us. He's not a criminal. He doesn't deserve to die. Matter of fact, I need to give my life to this man. He repents, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. What was the difference? One man had the ability to recognize there was something different about Jesus, and another man did not have the wisdom. Come on. Come on. You, you hear me? One man could see the difference, but the other man could not. And, and so that is wisdom. The same is true when, when we look at not, not just, let, let's look at your marriage. This is not a marriage series, but look at your marriage. Sometimes we get frustrated because our spouse is different. <laughs> like you're wanting them to change something about themselves that they literally can't unless God does a miracle. Like literally a miracle and changes their DNA. Totally. Their personality, totally. So instead of fussing about what makes them different, different. You should celebrate what makes them different because we don't need two of you, baby. You're great, but you're not all that. We don't need two of you, right? And, and so God pulled Eve out of Adam, completely different person, but Eve was able to see what Adam couldn't see. And I'm telling you, celebrate your spouse, not because they like everything you like, but celebrate them because they can see some blind spots that you're not privy to. Come on, give God a praise right now for your spouse. It's Valentine's Day. Tell her, baby, I'm thankful you're different. I am thankful you're different. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear that. She said, you're welcome. Received. 
Um, so wisdom is the ability to recognize difference, but wisdom is the ability to recognize a moment. Some people will pray, 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 and pray, and pray, all for an opportunity. And while they keep going back to prayer, to pray for an opportunity, God has sent 10 opportunities. But they don't have the wisdom, not only to recognize difference, but to recognize a moment. Wisdom's the ability to recognize a moment. Um, a great example of that would be, be blind Bartimaeus in Scripture. The Bible says Jesus was in Jericho, and in this city only one man got a miracle, and it was blind Bartimaeus. But the reason blind Bartimaeus got a miracle and nobody else in the city did is because blind Bartimaeus had the ability, the wisdom, to recognize this is a moment. It's, it's not an ordinary moment. This is a significant moment. And so he begins to scream to the top of his lung. He can't see. That's a great sermon, right? That's a sermon for another day. He can't see nothing, but he used what he had. I can't see him, but I'll scream. I'll get his attention. And he screamed so loud for Jesus that the crowd said, shut up. Stop. The scripture says that the more they told him to be quiet, guess what? The louder he got. Why? He had wisdom to recognize this is not the kind of moment that comes your way every single day. So you all may, may say, be quiet, but I'm going to get louder. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's basically saying, if you guys want to go home sick, have at it. I'm going home with a miracle. I wonder if there's some people that could recognize a moment when it passes by and not let a miracle walk right past you. His radical praise set him apart for something that nobody else received. And we, we get caught up in the shouting and the screaming of that, but it was wisdom. This is a moment. I'm not letting this moment pass me by. So, so wisdom is the ability to recognize difference, but also the ability to recognize a moment. And on the back of that, we have to understand that nature determines behavior. I'm going to do this quickly. Nature determines behavior. If I understand the nature of a thing, I'll never be surprised by its behavior. If a newlywed couple comes to me, they've been married a couple years, and they say, Pastor, pray for us. We haven't slept in six months. Our newborn's keeping us up all night long. I don't even flinch. Why would I flinch? I know the nature of a baby. The nature of a baby is they don't sleep 10 hours. They might give you two, and you bless God, you better take advantage of the two, right? And so I'm not, not even moved by that because the nature of a baby is, is to be up and down all night long. That's the nature. So if I understand the nature of something, the behavior will never surprise me. That's why if I look at a dog, I don't expect it to act like a cat. I don't expect a cat to act like a dog. I understand the nature of teenagers, I understand the nature of a teenager. Now, with that being said, I have to deal with the teenager's behavior, but I do understand the nature. All right? So, so check this out. If I know the nature, the behavior will never surprise me. If I know the nature of my relationships, the behavior will never surprise me. If I know the category this relationship is in, then the behavior is less likely to surprise me. I think sometimes we want people that they are a short-term relationship, short-term relationship, but we want to put them in a covenant relationship. Or we want to take the short-term relationship and make it a long-term. We view it through the eyes of a long-term relationship. And so when we get people in the wrong category, now I don't really know what to expect because I've positioned them in, in, in a way that's not going to help me walk through this. Like I'm, I'm putting them in a category that they cannot live up to. Does that make sense? Now, disappointment is the child of unmet expectation. Um, when, when we say we were disappointed, what, what we're saying is, is this relationship 
did not give me what I appointed it to give me. And so it leaves us disappointed. And so when I understand that wisdom is the ability to recognize difference, recognize a moment, and the nature of something, if I understand the nature, the behavior will not surprise me, then I need to ask, what is my relationship with the crowd? What is my relationship with those that are in the inner circle? What, what is my relationship with those that I just connected with? Because here's the truth, guys. Unhealthy relationships are the result of improper boundaries. Unhealthy relationship, it's the result of improper boundaries. When we do not connect with others inside the proper boundaries, hurt and disappointment are inevitable, completely inevitable. If I don't have a boundary, and I want to say this with sensitivity, I want to say it with kindness, but typically a person who has a ton of unhealthy relationships going on It's connected to the fact that they were raised in an environment of unhealthy relationships. And and so we carry those things into future relationships. And I'm not being critical, but what happens is when we're raised in dysfunction, we, we project that into our future relationships and we end up multiplying our pain. And listen, all adult this is tough, but I want you to get it. Every adult problem in relationships is, is the result of unresolved child problems. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but you don't need to be a genius to understand that. If, if I didn't get something as a child, my parents didn't give it to me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to demand you give it to me. If I didn't get it, for my parental relationships, I'm going to demand you give it to me. And the moment you don't give it to me, peace out. But we need boundaries in our relationships. The opposite is also true. Healthy relationships have proper boundaries. Everything has boundaries. Think about this. A river has boundaries. Without boundaries, a river becomes a swamp. Some of you could go home now. The reason your life looks and smells like a swamp with your relationships is because you've not had boundaries. The ocean has a boundary. It can come this far, and then we have land. But how many know if the ocean goes past the boundary into everybody's house, then what's it do? It leaves destruction everywhere. All because a boundary was not set. My skin is a boundary. It's a boundary so that what is in me, because if you cut my skin, what's in me comes out. That's why they will say, he bled to death. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So if you cut me and what's in gets out, I start dying. The boundary protects me, not just to keep what's in me from getting out, but sometimes I got to protect myself from the harmful things out here. How many of there's germs everywhere? We've been in, I shouldn't even talk about this given COVID. Right. I, I don't, I don't want what's out here to get in here and eventually make me sick. And so the boundary is not just so the stuff in me doesn't get out, but also to keep out what has the potential to make me sick. There are some people that if you let them in, they will make you sick. The difference between those who have been hurt by relationships and therefore they are caught dead in the water is often connected to the subject of boundaries. Sex is a good thing. God created it. But there has to be a boundary. Nudity is not bad. Adam and Eve were naked. And not ashamed. 
But if you met them last night at the bar and you can't remember their last name, but you've already been intimate, then you have now brought something that was meant for one category into a category that it doesn't belong. You ignored a boundary. Man, I, I'm preaching this different this time. We have boundaries not to box us in, but boundaries are like guardrails to keep us from going over the cliff. But some of us can't discern when someone is toxic and spilling our peace that I can love you, baby, from a distance I don't have to let everyone inside my circle. I don't have to let everyone inside the boundary because watch this. To be healthy in my relationships, there's a price to that. Just like if you lose 50 pounds, how I many? there's a price to that. If, if you go to school to become a doctor and you get through all of those years, how I many? there's a price to that. The same is true with my relationships. If I take all the necessary steps to be healthy in my relationships and I pay the price for it, but every time I get connected to you, you want to come up in my yard and throw up all your poison, then I may have to say, hey, I paid a price to have my peace. I know you're not willing to pay the price, so go throw up in someone else's yard. And when you pay the price... Come on, somebody. When you pay the price to get healthy, then we can be friends. Every relationship has boundaries. The key to successful living is keeping people in their proper categories. And so there are short-term relationships. People God will send into your life for a brief time. There are long-term relationships. People that will be with you till the day you leave the earth. And then there are covenant relationships. And please don't say you made a covenant with this person and made a covenant. There's only two covenants. You're like, I'm in covenant. This is my brother. That's weird. You have a covenant with God and you have a covenant with your spouse. That's it. Nobody else belongs inside the covenant. Anything else is weird. I'm sorry nobody will tell you that, but it's weird. You have a covenant with your spouse and God. Samson had a covenant with God, right? And the strength and the anointing rested, the Bible tells us, it's Old Testament, rested in his hair. But he told what was meant for the covenant relationship, information reserved for the covenant relationship, him and God, he told it to someone he was not in covenant with. Sometimes you share too much. It's okay to share everything as, as long as it's a relationship designed for that. You can tell God anything. You should be able to tell your spouse anything. Why? It's a covenant relationship. But if I start telling what belongs in a covenant relationship to someone God has sent to me for a short season, I'm setting myself up to be mad, frustrated, and disappointed, and they're also going to be hurt in the process because I do not have boundaries for my relationships. Peter in Scripture, he is what we would call, he's not a covenant relationship with Jesus, but he is a long-term relationship. John the Baptist was a short term. The only thing John the Baptist did for Jesus was open a door. That's it. That's why John was offended. He thought that the day I open the door, we're buddies. We're cool. We're going to hang out. Jesus is like, no, you open the door. That's all I need you for. But Peter was a long-term relationship. And so we see Peter, even though he's doing stupid stuff, Jesus knows this is a long-term thing. He's going to do a lot of stupid stuff. He's going to walk on water for a minute, then he's going to start drowning. I'm going to reach down. I'm going to pick him up. Peter will be all right. They're going to come to arrest me. He's going to cut people's ears off. Not because he was aiming for the earlobe, guys. He was trying to chop the, the joker's head off. But he caught the ear, 
chops the ear off, and Jesus shaking his head, picks the ear up, puts it back on the guy's head. Come on, y'all, smile with me. And he's shaking his head at Peter. Peter, cut it out. They ask Peter, when Jesus is being beat to death, are you one of those guys with Jesus? And we, we want to preach this in, in the church way. Peter denied Christ. Yet he did, but he also cussed while doing it. Were you with Christ? Blank no. He not only denied, he's cussing now. And, and so we see all these instances when Peter is messing up big time, but Jesus knew this is a long-term relationship. At one point, Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, how many know if your friend looks at you and says, get behind me, Satan, you're probably not hanging out any longer. Like if they said it like, and meant it, Jesus obviously meant it. But it was a long-term relationship, so much so that when Jesus died, was buried, on the third day he got up and one of the first questions he asked is, where's Peter? All these mistakes, but Jesus had Peter in the right category. So which meant he had the grace to put up with Peter's mistakes because this is a long-term thing, not a short-term thing. So where's Peter? I know he let go of me, but I've never let go of him. Anybody thankful that even in the seasons that you let go of God, he never let go of you? As the worship team comes, I want to show you this, and we'll end here. Matthew chapter 11. John, John the Baptist put himself in the wrong category. He's thinking this is long-term, but Jesus knew it was short-term. Peter, on the other hand, Jesus knew that's a long-term. This is going to be an investment. Peter's going to preach on the day of Pentecost, and thousands are going to come to, to know me because of this long-term relationship. But in Matthew chapter 11, this is what it says. Because John... Watch this. John was offended at Jesus, but look at how Jesus felt about John. It says in Matthew eleven eleven, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So while John is in prison, offended that Jesus is not with him when he's low, and Jesus tells him, don't take the bait, John. Don't be offended because of me. Put this relationship in the proper category. Jesus is now saying about John, There's, this guy's amazing. Only if, only if John in prison could have heard Jesus' words. Think about this guy. He's sitting in prison, offended at Jesus. Jesus says, don't take the bait. But if he could have heard and listened in on Jesus' conversations about John, he would have heard it. No, more, no one greater. But while Jesus is thinking about that about John, John's offended because he misappropriated the relationship. So Jesus realizes he's offended. He says, go back and tell John, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Offended is also a boating term, fishing term. Offense means bait. John, don't take the bait. I am who you prophesied I would be. I am that. You don't have to look for another. I know you're in prison and you're saying, should I look for someone else because you're offended at me? But John, I am. Don't be so offended you can't believe your own prophecy, John. What you said about me is true. Don't be offended in it. And I wonder how many people in this room today, because you thought that a relationship was long-term, but it wasn't. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be so frustrated that it ended. Maybe you ought to take a step back and realize, could it possibly be that I put that relationship in the wrong category? Did I have that as a long term when God meant for it to be a short term? See, 
I wonder how many people, watch this, I want you to catch this, don't check out yet. I wonder how many people stopped going to church because they got hurt with someone in the church. Who, who in their right mind would ever expect that you could come to the church the place where hurting people gather to worship Jesus, broken people gather to worship. Who, why would it be an expectation that you could come and not get hurt? We, we are all hurting people, but we're worshiping a God who understands our brokenness. And so the last thing I should do when I'm hurt is stay out of the place that can bring me healing. Because the church, though, at times you may get hurt or rubbed the wrong way, it's still God's vehicle by which he brings your healing. But we too prideful, and we want to hang on to the bait and make ourselves sick and make everyone around us sick. And we say things like, I can't go back to church because I don't want to get hurt. I can't get hurt. Well, baby, go to the nursery. Maybe they won't, maybe they won't rub your feelings the wrong way. Spend some time in the nursery until you grow up enough that you can handle your feelings getting rubbed the wrong way without becoming volatile. See, I want to help the people that you've gone through something where people have exited your life. What you have to understand is maybe God had them there, sort of like John was for Jesus. Maybe God had them there for a season. And some of us, we cry over those exiting our life. But it's really not people leaving your life as much as it is God revealing who's a part of your future. See, God is too smart to tie your future to people who have left. God never ties your future to people who have left you. He only ties your future and your destiny to the people that stay with you. You should give God praise right there. It's not tied to those that walked out. It's tied to those who stayed. See, Everybody's staying. I'll quit. That'll make me quit. What I'm saying, church, sometimes instead of being offended that it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, maybe we should slow down and thank God for what they brought for the season we had them. Some of you, you've lost some people and you're still hurt. You're still frustrated over it. We've all been there. But maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, you, you thought they were the plan. No, baby, they were not the plan. They were a part of the plan. Say it like this. This will get your attention. God didn't send Jesus to the earth to be John the Baptist's buddy. John's assignment was one thing. Open the door for him. That's all you're going to get out of it, John. You're going to open up the door. That's it. It's going to be a short-term thing. I think if we can learn to appreciate what people bring in specific seasons and not get hung up on it, but just simply thank God for the season we had them, whether that be in your personal life, at work, or your church, whatever that, let's thank God. Why, why, why should I do that, Pastor? It hurts. Because the alternative is to be dead in the water. So do you want to be dead in the water or start stepping into your future and into your destiny, understanding that God never ties your future to those that left, but he tied it to those that stayed. If you believe it, give God a praise in the house right now. Come on, give him a real praise right now. Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is in this room. Just lift your hands right there in his presence. Broken hearts be healed in Jesus' name. Clouded vision 
because of broken relationships. I pray let your vision be restored right now in the name of Jesus. Let, you, let, let the eyes of the Lord, let, let the eyes of God come upon each and every person so that we can see that our best days are not behind us, but they are still in front of us. God, I pray for those, God, that are struggling with hurt and disappointment in this season. I pray, Father, that you would help them to celebrate, God, the things they did get out of certain relationships in certain seasons, but God, not to be so hung up on it that they get caught dead in the water. I pray, Father, that you give them eyes of faith, eyes of vision, eyes of authority. God, help us to initiate some new relationships, cultivate some old relationships, and eliminate the toxic ones. Give us a grace in this season to discern the right people, the right place, and the right plan. God, I pray for every stronghold of offense. Somebody's going to get set free right now from the bait, the bait of Satan. Every person, God, that is wrestling with the spirit of offense, God, I pray it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak life, God. Lord, over their minds, over their hearts, God, that has, like John, it has imprisoned them, God. I pray, God, let the gates of those prison doors be open. And God, let their heart believe again and let their eyes see again. God, do in this moment, God, what we could not do in a lifetime. Help us not only to receive your grace, but to extend grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, no one looking around, if you're in this place, the best thing I could tell you is the greatest long-term relationship you will ever have, which is also a covenant relationship, is with Jesus Christ. He wants to save you and reconcile you back to God. That's why he came. So if you're watching online or in this place right now under the sound of my voice and you would say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to be saved. I don't want to leave this place the same. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Throw it up high. I see these three hands over here. God bless all three of you. More over here. I see another hand over here. God bless you. Another one here. Awesome, awesome. I wish I had a church that got excited about people giving their lives to Jesus. Come on, raise it real high, raise it real high. Yeah. Come on, give him a shout right now. People are about to come into relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We will catch you on the next episode.